Good evening, my name is Mike Murley, and welcome to WPKN's Mic Check, coming to you right here on WPKN every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Thank you to everyone listening at 89.5 FM on your radio dial, and welcome to everyone streaming live or tuning into our podcast at WPKN.org. Each week on Mic Check, one of our hosts examines global, national, and regional issues and their effect on our local community. And just as the phrase mic check was used to mobilize people to create a human microphone during the Occupy movement and others, this weekly program seeks to amplify our community's many voices and bring them to the airwaves. Mic check is followed right here on WPKN at 6 p.m. by another public affairs program, the Ralph Nader Radio Hour. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I'm very excited for this show and, and for this conversation that we're about to have with Evan Fritz, who is someone I've had on the program before. Uh, it's been a little bit, but Evan is a Connecticut resident and an organizer with 350 Connecticut, the Connecticut branch of 350.org, one of the leading climate justice organizations here in the United States, and one of many organizations involved in the upcoming March to End Fossil Fuels, happening on Sunday, September 17th in New York City. Evan, welcome back to Mike Check. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's very nice to be here with you on this Sunday. It was great running into you exactly one week ago, pretty much, uh, last yeah, Saturday. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at Greater Bridgeport Pride, right down the street from this radio station. And that was a lot of fun and a great day, a great, great series of events. And uh, yep. I was wondering if you could actually, you know, talk a little bit about the organizing work that you've been involved with here in Connecticut and some of, some of the issues that you've been most active around. Thanks, Mike. Uh, well, I was on this program with you, I think, three years ago now. As at the time, we were fighting in Stanford, Connecticut against um, what we saw as bogus charges against um, activists who had been protesting uh, against the death of Stephen Barrier, who died in police custody in Stanford. And all of the circumstances of his death point to absolute mishandling and um, basically gratuitous killing by the cops. People can definitely look up the death of Stephen Barrier. It's a really important example of the brutality of policing in the state which has killed many people and traumatizes and harms many more. That's one thing that I've been involved with over the last few years. Um, more recently, um, I've been part of a coalition that's been organizing around Stop Cop City, which is the large militarized police training facility proposed to be built in the Atlanta forest, Wilani forest, and it includes very aggressive police training facilities like uh, bomb testing, um, full city blocks to carry out drill SWAT raids, Black Hawk helicopter pads, gun ranges, all these things right within 250 feet of residential communities near a youth detention center right in black neighborhoods, majority black neighborhoods that are in the outskirts of the, of the metro Atlanta. So we, we've been organizing around that, um, which has you know a number of connections also with the climate movement. They're destroying at least 85 acres of urban forests, which provide flood protection, 
cooling in you know in in Atlanta and other important environmental um, resources for the community. So, so that's just another thing that I've been involved with. And um, yeah, if, if we want to talk more about that, we can as well. But I'm very excited to talk about this upcoming March to End Fossil Fuels. Absolutely. And thank you for, for giving a bit of that, you know, that history of, of some of your, the recent organizing you've been involved with here in Connecticut. I know the the history goes back a lot further than that in terms of different struggles you've been engaged in and organizations you've been a part of. Uh, so Justice for Stephen Barrier is, is a great resource, like you said, for folks to check out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, especially. Justice for Stephen Barrier, Stephen with a V and not a PH. And then as far as Stop Cop City, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that as well and the solidarity work that you've been involved with here in Connecticut locally, because that's a great example of the client, you know, the environmental and climate justice issues and movement uh, really being about about everything and kind kind of tying together so many different struggles and different yeah. issues all in one in one situation when you think about cop city but the just how that's also well it, it kind of touches on something I'm going to I'm going to bring up in a little bit as well so I I appreciate you mentioning that and and also making that transition to to climate justice so you know if you could briefly talk about when you first got involved in, in climate justice. And, and if you could also, I guess, define that, that term yeah. and, and that, um, you know, what that's all about as far as climate justice, because it is a term that's used quite often, but I think maybe yeah. not everyone knows what that means. Yeah, for sure. So I, I first got involved like the environmental justice, climate justice movement back in 2016. It was the same time I, I was personally very inspired by the movement at Standing Rock against the Dakota Access Pipeline. I remember back then we did some uh, quite a few solidarity actions. I was a student at University of Connecticut in stores, and I remember one action in particular. We had a rally for like an hour or something, and it was just pouring rain, but people were really determined to like stand in solidarity. I think it was during uh, a call for a National Day of Action, um, and that was one of my first kind of experiences with the climate justice movement was helping to organize demonstrations like that. Um, Climate justice, I think it is important um, to define somewhat because there's different trends within what could be considered like the environmental or conservation movements, some of which are very reactionary or kind of have a history of building white supremacy rather than fighting for a livable earth and having relationships with nature that are uh, sustainable and and these sorts of things. So climate justice at its best is a rejection of this kind of older model that sees like nature as something that is outside of humanity that like there, like for example, in the United States that there was some period before European settlers came here where the whole continent was unpopulated, pristine nature. Um, that was like kind of an ideological or like um, that, that was kind of the idea that inspired a lot of well-known conservationists, for example, from like the 19th century, like uh, John Muir, who's very famous for being one of the people who started the national park system. And it was really based on 
among, um, among like, you know, having a dedication to like preserving natural resources away from industrial development. It was also based on keeping those lands out of the hands of indigenous peoples. So climate justice is seen as an opposition to this, where the, the fight for a livable earth, for sustainable production and having lifestyles, lifeways that are in harmony with natural processes. It's, it's about having those things, but also centering the fights against oppression, which, which are social, um, like racial oppression, uh, gender oppression, the ongoing theft and, um, and violence against Native peoples in the Americas and around the world, and against the relationships of dominations between nations, for example, between the United States and parts of basically all of South America and in Africa and having a perspective for reparations to fight to right these historical injustices. So, so that's kind of climate justice. It's, it's an idea of fighting both for a livable earth and sustainable society and also against oppression, so social oppression. Thank you so much, Evan, for defining that and for going into that history and, and giving that important context because it is really, really important. And, and it's interesting to, to, to make that distinction, like you said, within the, the environmental movement or movements. And because not yeah. everyone knows that history or, or uh, is aware even of some of those different uh, ideologies. So yeah. thank you. So- I, I think it's really, really important to, to clarify and, and make and kind of draw a line in the sand around that. Definitely. Then thank you so much for that. And so I know you're involved with 350 CT or 350 mm-hmm. Connecticut rather, which is part of 350.org, the national or even international uh, organization yeah. mm-hmm. that is is uh, engaged in in this work. And so I was wondering if you could briefly talk about 350.org, its mission and some of the work that they do, and then like the, the Connecticut branch or Connecticut chapter and and how long yeah. it's been around and some of the work that you all have been doing. 350.org was started back in 2009. And the name comes from the idea that at the time, organizers and activists in 350 were fighting to keep the greenhouse gas content of the um, Earth's atmosphere below 350 parts per million of carbon dioxide equivalent. And so basically what that just means is that we were fighting to keep the pollution that's causing global warming below 350 parts per million of CO2, um, which is a number that was chosen just kind of arbitrarily, but with some meaning because when you go over that number, there are effects where the planet is not just getting hotter, but also there's kind of spin-off effects, and it, and the even the heating is accelerating because of um, things like increasing um, ocean temperatures, leading to increasing atmospheric temperatures, uh, the the heat from the atmosphere heating ice. Um, ice sheets, glaciers, which actually reflect 
the sun's light because they're so bright. Um, and so when there's less ice sheets or glaciers, the heating happens more quickly because uh, the earth itself is absorbing more heat from the sun. And so 350 was was founded with that as basically its, its mission to keep the parts per million uh, CO2 in the atmosphere below 350. So that was in 2009. Now in 2023, uh, we're well over 400. So the name's a bit anachronistic, but that was why it started. And since since its founding, 350 has become kind of a international um, organization. One thing that we've done in connection with the, I don't know, international group or organization or website or whatever you want to call it, has been solidarity against the East African crude oil pipeline. We had a panel, 350 Connecticut had a panel um, with speakers who have been organizing on the ground against the East African crude oil pipeline or ECOP um, very recently, which is which is really important. Um, and 350 has also been in the United States helping to organize against, for example, like Line 3, which um, is a major natural gas, frack gas pipeline um, that runs through unseated Anishinaabe lands in what's called Minnesota, um, as well as back in the in 2016, um, with the Dakota Access Pipeline, um, and I'll, I'll just I'll just give a little bit of history about 350 Connecticut. Um, so 350 Connecticut formed after the 2014 People's Climate March, which was a march centered in New York City, much like the one we're talking about today, um, that had around 300 or somewhere between 300 and 400 thousand people uh, marching in the street in New York City. A major mass action uh, worldwide. There's estimation that people that 600,000 people uh, marched around the United States and around the world. Um, and in the kind of wake of, of that major mobilization, people were looking for ways to organize in Connecticut. And so a 350 chapter um, opened up, and people started organizing through that here. And I was kind of honored to be a part of a convention or an assembly back in 2016 or early 2017 to kind of develop a program collectively, which had, I don't know, hundred or more people at it with everybody with the voting rights and ability to speak and all these things. And the chapter here adopted a really ambitious program based around these principles of climate justice um, that we were talking about earlier and having a perspective around a just transition, um, which means a just transition is often used to refer to the process of tra transitioning our current energy production from being polluting to being green or non-polluting. Um, and the, the, the just part of the just transition is meant to indicate that um, this transition process is prioritizing the well-being of historically marginalized peoples, um, workers who are currently involved, who currently have their livelihoods caught up in the production of, uh, of environmentally destructive things, and um, a fight against things like the war machine and uh, policing and, and things like that, uh, it, uh, kind of that's more radical. So that, that's kind of where 350 Connecticut 
comes from and 350.org. And both have been involved with building this uh, march that that we're talking about, which is September 17th. 350 Connecticut definitely has the perspective of trying to build demonstrations like this, like large marches that can bring in people from trade unions, from community groups, parents, children, elderly people, people of faith, of all different faiths, um, and, and these sorts of things to build the largest mobilizations possible. And that's that's been a lot of what we've done along with education about about the climate crisis. Education, like you said, is so vitally important here when there's so many terms flying around and <laughs> so much information yeah. and, and knowledge. And we're talking about science, right, in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I know a lot of stuff goes straight over my head when it comes to all yeah. this. So it is so important. And like you were just mentioning, in New York City on Sunday, September 17th, yeah. there will be a march to end fossil fuels. And so before you get to some of the details, the specifics of what will be taking place that day, mm-hmm. if, you, if you could very briefly, and I know this might be a, a tall task, but if you could briefly talk about what are fossil fuels and and a little bit about how, again, they, that they contribute to global warming. Yeah. Um, so fossil fuels are, I mean, pe- people know what they are because you use them every day, right? Um, and I think also just to kind of acknowledge what you had said earlier about a lot of stuff with like the climate, with the environment, these sorts of things, there ends up being a lot of times a lot of like debate and discussion at a very high scientific level. Um, and it can be really confusing, alienating, um, difficult for people to follow. I mean, I've, I've also experienced that, um, like, you know, even people that are, have been involved with this stuff for years, it's, it, there's a lot of terms and things that, that are difficult. So I, I think it's always good um, if people feel, if, if you feel discouraged by, you know, a certain thing that doesn't make sense or you're hearing a bunch of things, you know, talk to talk, talk it through with um, people who, uh, you know, are, are activists and are trying to figure things out because really like it's, it's essential that um, the climate movement is developing ways to explain things clearly um, because otherwise it's just like, well, these things are happening. I know they're bad, but um, what I don't really understand exactly. And, you know, where's my place in this? So I think that's really important. Fossil fuels are things that come from decomposing plants and animals that died millions of years ago and have left their remains basically are transformed into things that we can use to burn and create energy that powers all basically most of the things in our lives, electricity and heat and, and these sorts of things. Some common examples of fossil fuels include coal, um, oil or gasoline, which people use in their cars, natural gas, which pe- people use for electricity and to, to heat their homes and on stovetops. And the issue with fossil fuels is that when they're burned, they emit carbon dioxide, which is a chemical that has weight and heat and properties to it that absorb heat and hold heat. So when carbon dioxide is released in the atmosphere, which happens every time fossil fuel is burnt, it 
it means that the atmosphere of the earth can hold more heat. And so basically, this is causing what people call global warming. People also refer sometimes to the carbon dioxide and similar chemicals as greenhouse gases because like a greenhouse, they help retain heat. Um, and that's causing uh, a lot of impacts on the way people live their lives. Um, I think this last summer that we're experiencing right now is a great example. It's been the hottest summer on record. Uh, and there's many places around the world that while they've been hot and, you know, historically now it's basically impossible to go outside for large portions of the year without dying. I mean, that's, that's a very serious thing, you know? Um, and so that's just one aspect of what people talk about with the climate crisis is, is heating. Uh, there's also things that are destructive, like the large, amount of plastic that's being released in the oceans, things like chemicals like fertilizers and industrial chemicals leaking into water supplies and affecting marine wildlife. And, you know, most kind of famously, we're in the middle of a mass extinction event where um, every day thousands and thousands of species are disappearing from the earth forever. And scientists pretty much are in complete agreement uh, across the board that all these things are caused by humans. And so that's what we're marching against on September 17th. Thank you so much for, for sharing all that. Like you said, uh, September 17th, there will be a march to to end fossil fuels happening. And, and so all of that stuff that you just named is what everyone will be marching against. And I know that there's a broad coalition of groups involved. And what I want to do right now is actually, you know, I want you to have the, the last word and we do have, you know, a few minutes left here still. So, cause at six o'clock, the, the next program that comes on after us, will be uh, clicking over and starting immediately with the, uh, the Ralph Nader radio hour. So yeah, I just want to, again, uh, Evan Fritz, 350 Connecticut. Uh, thank you for, for joining me tonight on mic check and, uh, to everyone listening, please stay tuned. Immediately following this program is the Ralph Nader Radio Hour, followed by Cool Blues and Rare Records with Al Bell. So please stay tuned for that. And it's uh, it's a little bit before 6 p.m. Uh, and you're listening to WPKN 89.5 FM in Bridgeport and streaming online at WPKN.org. And so, Evan, uh, please feel free to to have the last word and uh, and sure. share as much as, as you want about the the, the march, but also how folks can learn more about the March 10 fossil fuels, get connected, get plugged in, and also learn more about 350 Connecticut. Definitely. So, yeah, so I'll just say a couple things about the march. Uh, this march is being organized to coincide with the United Nations Climate Ambition Summit in New York City. This is just the latest in a long and apparently unending number of events like this with global leaders where they talk about how bad the climate crisis is without doing anything. And so this is the reason why people are going into the streets to show that ordinary people, workers, community members understand that the climate crisis is bad and that our leaders are not really addressing it. And we also understand that the reason why they're not addressing it is because the, the big companies, the big fossil fuel companies, the banks, they all care more about their bottom line and their profits than they do about having a livable earth. So 
this is a march to bring together hopefully thousands and hundreds of thousands of people like the marches in 2014 and 2017 that we uh, that, that I mentioned earlier um, to show that people stand against climate destruction and we don't care about profits. We care about having a livable earth that can continue on for future generations. And so just to conclude, there's a website for the march itself, which is endfossilfuels.us. And if people in Connecticut want to get involved, there's meetings every Sunday starting on August 13th, which are going to be both online and in person. And you can register for that at 350ct.org, 350ct.org. Thanks again so much for having me, Mike. It's, it's always a pleasure to be on your program.